When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Welcome back to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. I am Sunday Bunch Culture Editor at The Bulwark. Uh, I'm very pleased to be joined today by Ray Subers. Uh, Ray Subers is a vice president at NRG, a market research consultancy that's been delivering consumer insights to Hollywood studios for decades. Uh, at NRG, Ray is responsible for managing U.S. theatrical tracking, which is the industry currency on moviegoer perceptions about upcoming films. And Ray, in an email right before this, uh, let me know he also used to manage Box Office Mojo uh, from 2009 uh, to... He was there from 2009 to 2015 and ran the site from 2011 to 2015, or as I like to think of it, the golden years of box office mojo, a huge, huge resource for me and most other uh, film writers. It's it's very, very nice to have you on the show, Ray. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sonny. Thanks for having me and uh, for the kind words about the glory days of uh, box office mojo. I was truly living my best life back then, as was the site. Uh, we can talk about that more in a minute, maybe. Um, uh, first, I want to talk about NRG and what you guys do and what, what you're doing right now in particular, because it's very interesting to me. If, if you are a connoisseur of box office data, if you're on deadline, uh, you know, Hollywood Daily every every Saturday morning trying to see what's going on with uh, with movies and with the box office numbers, there's often uh, some info uh, that NRG puts out there about how comfortable moviegoers are going back to the movies, how, how comfortable people are going back to the theaters. Um, and I want to talk about this a little bit because I think it is, we're in a very weird and interesting moment right now where, uh, you know, lots of people are vaccinated, movies are back in theaters, we have seen, uh, you know, people coming back, but the numbers are obviously not what they used to be, and there is still some hesitancy. Um, so from your end, as a pollster who is looking at these numbers on a week-to-week basis, uh, what are you seeing from, from the consumers and, and from, you know, regular theater goers? Certainly. Uh, so there's a number of angles to this. Uh, I'll start with some background on what we've been doing. So normally in a typical environment pre-COVID, NRG's tracking is focused on gauging awareness, interest, and perceptions of upcoming films. That is the focus. And we provide this insight to studios to help them guide their marketing campaigns and set expectations. As we were heading into the pandemic last year, you know, as it was that late February, early March time where it started to seem like it was more than more than something that we can just forget about, right? It started to become some people were wearing some masks and changing their plans and, and you know, take, picking up all the toilet paper and all the things that we were doing back last February and March. We started to add some questions to our study to understand perceptions around uh, the virus and around the way people may or may not be changing their behavior. 
obviously, as we headed into March, that became uh, the key focus. Um, we, the last uh, you know week that we had movies open was March thirteenth of twenty twenty. Uh, mm-hmm. There were a handful of movies that opened that weekend, and then quickly after that. Everything moved off the calendar, at which point there were not movies to track that were coming soon. Uh, And so we really tried to take the infrastructure that we had in place, the operation that we had in place to deliver insights to the studios on a regular basis and pivot that toward gauging perceptions in a more robust way around this rapidly changing, very confusing situation, which it it frankly was at the time. Um, Remember, we thought we were going to be you know, locked up for two weeks and then we'd be back to business. So we know a lot more today than we did then. Uh, So we introduced questions and we sort of expanded our our study on on COVID and made that really a key focus of our work. Um, The the area that you're referring to that we really focused in on has become our, our key measure is movie going comfort. We basically ask moviegoers, how comfortable are you with going to the movies right now? And they can, they can say they're very comfortable, somewhat comfortable, not very comfortable. I wouldn't go to the movies right now. Those are essentially the options. And we got our first read on that specific question worded specifically that way. On Sunday, March 15th, which was the day, the final day of the final weekend before theaters shut down. When business mm-hmm. was frankly, business was down, but it mm-hmm. wasn't down, it, it wasn't catastrophic uh, at that point in time. And at that point... of moviegoers said they were very or somewhat comfortable going to the movies, which, you know, over 50%, but not nearly 100%. We don't have a read prior to that as we were evolving the question and the approach, the methodology. So we've kept that question in exactly as it stands there, exactly as I described since then on all of our our studies that we field. Um, The the week after, so it's 57% on Sunday, March 15th, by one week later, Sunday the 22nd, comfort had dropped to 27%. So we'd seen a precipitous wow. drop, 30 points, 57 to 27. Mm-hmm. At its low in April, early April, comfort was at 19%. So only 19% of moviegoers were saying they were either very or somewhat comfortable, with the other mm-hmm. 81% saying they were not very or, or wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. So that was at the, at the, the bottom uh, for comfort. Uh, can I ask, uh, interrupt yes, one question here? Um, so are, are these, uh, is this the general, are you interviewing the general pop here or is this a uh, uh, a targeted at regular moviegoers? Or great people question. who are? Yeah. So we sample a moviegoer sample. Uh, and what you essentially have to do to qualify for our sample is have some recency as far as, you know, going to the movies recently. Um, we, we typically, in a typical environment, we screen on uh, attending two movies in the past six months. Um, what we've had to do, obviously, in COVID is we've had to make some adjustments to that. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially now, four movies in a typical year pre-COVID, which is essentially as apples to apples as you can get. We mm-hmm. want to be talking to people who were moviegoers prior to COVID. We don't mm-hmm. want to just go, have you been to the movies since COVID? Because then we wouldn't actually have a read on how how many people are we bringing back into movie yeah. going, which is critical, right? We want to get back to 100%. So that's a little bit about our, from a methodology standpoint. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so we, so we've continued to run that comfort question and that's really been one of the key measures we've been monitoring. Um, that 57% that we were at 
on the final weekend um, before theaters shut down. We did not get back to that level until mid-March of this year. So mm-hmm. 11, essentially not 11 months later, essentially 12 months later, mm-hmm. uh, almost to the date, we hit 57% again. This was just as Los Angeles theaters were reopening a couple of weeks after New York theaters reopened. The, the highest we have seen comfort get was 81% of moviegoers saying that they are very or somewhat comfortable. That was on July 11th. So that was two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, the Sunday two weeks ago. Um, in our most recent polling, comfort has declined to 74%. Okay. Uh, so off about seven points from its okay. high. Um, that is due to the surge in the Delta Variant, and you know that was obviously, and it was starting to pick up two weeks ago. But the headlines have started to change in that direction. Um, the caseload, you know, we've we've gone up right. dramatically in that time period, and so we have seen it come back a bit. The important thing to note on that is that level is still essentially where we were at in early June. Uh, okay. In early June, we were coming out of a very strong opening for a quiet place coming out of Cruella. Conjuring did a decent number opening day and date uh, with HBO Max. Um, and so we ultimately are not that far off from what we what we feel is sort of a, let's call it an appropriate level, um, given that you have, you know, while comfort might not be at 100%, you have fewer titles right now than maybe we typically would. And then you also have pent up demand among those who are eager to get back. And so we feel Mm -hmm. these these factors essentially offsetting each other to create what can be, you know, titles can succeed the way A Quiet Place Part 2 did, um, the way F9, you know, opened, et cetera. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are, you know, we do feel that that level that late May, early June was at is, is a reasonable level, albeit we'd like to be higher. Um, sure. so that's essentially the, the story on, uh, on comfort on moving on comfort right now. Yeah. I, it's really interesting. I mean, I, do, have you seen in your, I mean, I, I guess it's hard to judge because things kind of fell off a, a cliff so quickly, but have you seen a correlation between the amount of, of stuff that's actually in theaters, uh, helping to increase the comfort level, uh, of audiences? Because the sense I got, I mean, if you look at that first big drop from 57% to 27%, that's that's the first weekend when you go from things being in theaters on a weekend to things not being in theaters on a weekend. Like if I was a theater, if I was, a, I am a regular mm-hmm. moviegoer. Mm-hmm. And if I if I was to see that, I'd be like, oh, well, I guess the studios don't want us in theaters right now. You know, I mean, I would, uh, is there is there a link there? We, we don't have, um, well, let's let's put it this way. We've had essentially two points in time where there's been dramatic changes, right? One is when theaters shut down and one is when theaters started to reopen. So if we go back to um, pulling up my data very quickly, if we go back to last summer, which remember it was in August when theaters started to reopen, we went from on August 10th, 38% of moviegoers saying they were comfortable up to 52% over Labor Day weekend. So mm-hmm. 14 point change, which mm-hmm. is which is fairly dramatic. And we have not typically seen over around a three week period of time a change of that to that degree. So you're right in that in the very big scale kind of you know changes like that, theaters closing or theaters reopening in a dramatic way will drive that. There will be some correlation where people might actually think Am I comfortable because there actually is content that I want to see or, you know, should I be going? Should I not be going? That sort of thing. So we do see that. We did not see 
dramatic, unusual changes around some of the tentpole openings this year, i.e. Godzilla, Kong, F9, Black Widow, Quiet Place. Um, Mm -hmm. Those changes were fairly standard and within the course of a normal trajectory that we had been seeing. Um, Mm -hmm. So that that did not change things dramatically. What, What I'll also say is, you know, when we think about when we think about the box office in in COVID, it really works across three dimensions. We think of things across three dimensions. You hit at it here when you talk about the content itself being important. The three dimensions we we look at are comfort, which we've just gone over, mm-hmm. theater openness, which is a, a really important thing, and I think we sort of downplay that to some degree, but it's really important that you know up until March the two movie capitals, so to speak, were not open. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Regal only reopened from about mid-March through May. Uh, So many of these Regal locations were were dark for a very long period of time. So we have to have people comfortable, but they also have to have a theater that's open near them and also know that there's a theater open near them, know that their local theater is open. And while people who follow the news and who are very, very passionate moviegoers who, you know, their local movie theater is is their church, basically... They knew when their theater reopened. The average moviegoer may not have made that direct connection, particularly in week one, two, three, four, and without major content coming out. So we've also been gauging um, the percent of moviegoers who believe their local theater is open. Uh, So that's been another key measure. What we've seen is that's gotten up to about three and four moviegoers believe their local theater is open. About eight and 10 theaters are open right now in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have, a, you know, we're a little bit below that, but at the same time, the theaters that are open are going to be the heavier trafficked ones. So we do still think there's a gap there where there are people who do live down the street from a movie theater or local to a movie theater that's open who do not know that their theater is open. They just assume it's still closed or unsure about its status. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly we, you know, the more content that's regularly being marketed, the more times that they might Google, hey, maybe I do want to go see a movie and see whether their theater uh, you know, has showtimes or not, the more likely we are get, to get back to the um, uh, uh, people being accustomed to going, habituated sure. to going to the movies. Sure, sure. The third element, I touch at it there and you touch at it, is, is content availability. Are there movies actually coming out in theaters? Um, and part of it is, are there movies coming out that people want to see? But I, I'm speaking strictly on a macro level. Are there movies at all being released in theaters? In the first half of 2021, we only tracked 30 wide releases throughout that throughout the first six months of the year. Mm-hmm. In 2019, we tracked 63 wide releases. So we were below 50% of the normal level through the first six months of the year. Looking ahead to the second half of the year, we expect to track based on the current calendar and based on the fact that we're through July and into August as far as movies we're, we're polling on, we expect to track 54 titles. Uh, which mm-hmm. is almost double the first half of the year and is at 86% of the level of 2019. So we have a huge gap there between 48% versus 86% of normal level. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly within that 86% are a lot of movies that are um, highly, highly anticipated. Um, there yeah. are three Marvel movies and that's not even including Venom, but Venom would sure. be, you know, be the fourth Bond, Ghostbusters, Dune, a handful of, you know, uh, family movies, uh, Jackass Forever. You know, there's all kinds of appealing theatrical uh, films um, in the pipeline in the next, you know, in the next five months or so. 
Um, yeah. So that's those are the three dimensions. What we really want to get back to is want to get back to 100% comfort, 100% theater openness, and 100% of the normal level of content. And only yeah. then can we expect the box office to be back to normal levels. And so all yeah. those things do work together. It's all part of a you know an ecosystem. They're all they're all connected. Um, and we're just trying to monitor it and and have some some grasp on where we're where we're heading. Right. Yeah. Do you have a sense? Uh, you you mentioned you mentioned audience kind of behavior and and how people are going to the theaters now versus pre COVID. Do you have any sense of um, if if regular theater goers or what were once regular theater goers are behaving differently now? I mean, I the sense I get just from looking at the weekend to weekend data is that everything seems very front loaded. The yeah. big the big you know uh, tentpole movies are doing okay numbers, not necessarily enormous numbers, but they're doing okay numbers. And then there's a big drop second weekend, um, which again, suggests to me that there, there is a core group of people who want to go to these things and they all do it at once. And then, and then, you know, everybody else is kind of still hanging back and waiting. Um, what, looking at this data, looking at these numbers on a week to week basis, mm. what sense do you guys have of how, how people are reacting? So certainly I, I think you're, you're onto it there where what we're seeing is, and this is fairly intuitive, that the people who are going back are the most frequent moviegoers. They're the people who movie going is is very, very important to them. Um, and so they're going back and they're going back again and again and again. Um, we're not seeing, you know, we're seeing, right, eight and 10 or seven and 10, you know, moviegoers say they're comfortable. We only see about four and 10 who say they've actually gone back. And that mm -hmm. leans towards people who say they typically went to the movies monthly pre-COVID. Um, leans pretty heavily in that direction. Mm -hmm. And then your more casual moviegoers are the ones who have not been back. And I, you know, our, our sense, you know, is that the more casual moviegoers are the ones who propel weekends two, three, four, five, six. Whereas the very frequent moviegoers are the ones who are tuned into, I know this movie comes out this Friday. I'm going, I'm checking it out on Thursday and I'm checking it out on Friday. It's really important to me that I, I see it and I talk about it. And whereas the casual moviegoers are either, they either are just not prioritizing it with all of the other activities they can do outside of the home right now. There's a possibility that they, you know, as we get further into, you know, weekends, two, three, four, et cetera, there's a sense from the casual moviegoers, either this movie is available at home right now or will be available at home very shortly. And I've become very comfortable viewing movies at home and not in the theaters. Um, so that's, these are some of the issues we're, we're grappling with as far as the, the iffy legs that we've seen on, on some movies recently. Um, and it's certainly yeah. an area where we're focused on learning more about. Um, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a new, uh, development. And when you look back at the, the drops and the legs for titles earlier in the pandemic, they were not as dramatic as what we've seen over the last couple of weeks or, or months kind of dating back to, I'm going to say the, the, the title with the first kind of really serious, uh, drop in the second weekend that was anomalous, it would be in the Heights. Um, mm -hmm. You look back before that, the multiple on The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It is pretty standard. A Quiet mm -hmm. Place has held up really well. Cruella yeah. has held up fairly well. In the Heights was had an odd drop and an odd multiple. F9, I think the jury's maybe still out on that a little bit. That franchise dropped pretty significantly, you know, coming out of opening weekend typically. Mm -hmm. um, Black Widow, that's been much discussed. I won't, you know, won't go back through that, but that's certainly a... Um, you know, a title that's dropped a little bit more than what the, the yeah. MCU norm is. Uh, and then Space Jam had a big drop even for, you know, yeah. um, 
Well, especially for a family title, which won't typically drop as much in the second week. Right. Sure, sure. Is there, uh, without, uh, I don't want to get you in Dutch with Warners or anything, but is there is there a sense that having the movies available uh, on HBO Max or on Disney Premier Access, uh, in the case of Black Widow, um, has had uh, an impact on these second weekend drops? Or uh, do you, is that not 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 the case, do you think? I don't. I think I'm I'm going to defer on I'm going to I'm going to dodge that one a little bit. <laughs> what I what I will what I will say is the the results the box office results relative to how these titles are tracking on our on our measurements that we that we gauge on these movies they are coming in um below what the data would suggest. Okay if there was not a day and date release. Um, okay. And that's, that's a fairly non-controversial yeah. statement. Um, whereas titles that are theatrical exclusive are coming in more in line. So essentially what you're having is, is people who are expressing intent and they're not ultimately converting at the same level as a title that is theatrical exclusive. Um, yeah. So I can, I can say that. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Uh, I, I, you you mentioned tracking, and I want to talk about that just a little bit because what NRG does, uh, and it's very interesting to folks who are in the know, um, is, is that it, you guys you guys look at uh, how aware people are of the movies that are coming out and how excited they are uh, for the movies that are coming out, and and uh, studios have this data and they can kind of decide what they want to release when, and you know, kind of gauge their box office. Uh, expectations, you know, either nudge them up or down or, or whatever. But I, I just want, I, I was, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that actual process is like and what the, um, I, I mean, frankly, what, what it is like now in a world where there's so many, uh, so many big first run movies that aren't necessarily coming to theaters. I like, I, I, I are you guys even tracking stuff like that? That's like, it's, it, this is a multi-part question. I've, which is a bad question always in something like this. Um, so could you just discuss a little bit what, what movie tracking is? Explain it to my, my audience that does not necessarily know what tracking is. Certainly. Um, so let me see if I can break that down. If I miss anything, don't hesitate to jump in. Um, but essentially, the, the what tracking is, um, tracking is an online survey uh, conducted among, you know, tr- with trusted online survey panelists is a pretty standard way of conducting market research now, um, in which we we interview moviegoers uh, a couple of times a week, um, moviegoers 12 to 64, um, and they qualify based on, you know, as we discussed earlier, they need to, you know, be moviegoers at a, at a solid mm-hmm. level. Um and we ask them for titles that are coming soon to theaters. This is titles that are in the next three or four weeks, basically. We ask them um, how aware they are of, you know, of the movies. Basically, have you heard of it or not heard of it? Uh, we ask them how interested they are, uh, from definitely interested to not at all interested. Uh, and we ask them what their first choice is uh, among that list. Um, within that, we also ask them um, to list, and this is before showing them any of these titles, we ask them uh, off the top of your head, you know, what movies are, are in theaters now or coming soon. Um, that sort of top of mind recall is really mm-hmm. important. Um, you need to be able to generate something that's sticky enough that when somebody's asked, you know, is, you know, what movies are coming soon, your movie bubbles up. Um, and we also ask uh, moviegoers, you know, what's, what's the next movie you're going to see in theaters? And again, that's a, an open-ended question. Um, those are what we consider our, our KPIs. Uh, our key performance indicators. 
on top of that, we also we we get some under the hood measurements um, around you know broader perceptions to help kind of inform the um, the top line measures. Um, is a movie funny, action packed? Uh, why are you interested? Why are you not interested? Things like that. Um, so this is all you know. This is a study that we do um, you know three times a week. Uh, and we deliver the data uh, the next day to our studio partners, um, and this helps them make decisions on the course of their campaign. Um, you know, are we on track? Are we not on track? Uh, where do we need to devote more resources to? Where can we pull back? Do we need to change our messaging at all? Um, all of those things. They're making decisions on uh, leveraging our leveraging our data. Uh, we also at NRG to supplement this and to help provide you know clear guidance around the numbers. We do issue. Um, confidential opening weekend forecasts to the studios. Um, so we do that on Monday and Thursdays. Um, and that's basically leveraging the data plus our expertise, um, Mm -hmm. to come up with, you know, opening weekend box office expectations. Um, those numbers occasionally make it into the trades. Um, we do not, we do not provide them to the trades. Um, Mm -hmm. we, these, this is service exclusive to our, to our partners, um, Mm -hmm. to help them try to understand the data better. Um, and the, and the, the performance of their movie essentially. Yeah. So at, at this point in in time, uh, when you have so many different things that are kind of in theaters and not in theaters, uh, are are you seeing mm-hmm. more more answers? So if somebody's you know, if you would ask somebody last week, you know, what's what what's a new movie that's coming out? Are you getting answers like Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix? I mean, I, I'm I'm curious if that is creating some bleed or if it just doesn't even resonate with people if they, if it doesn't come up at all. That's a good question. Uh, we. We do get mentions of non-theatrical films, uh, unquestionably. Um, we do not see it at a very high level um, for the most part, especially for titles that never had a theatrical um, presence or any kind of theatrical campaign. Mm-hmm. We do see it at higher levels for titles that have a theatrical pedigree, or we're going to release theatrically uh, and then wound up on a uh, on a streaming platform instead. So mm-hmm. we are seeing that. And what I think it speaks to, and it's an important issue that, that the industry is facing right now, is with the the volume of content, the volume of really high quality content um, available at home and in theaters and via hybrid models, uh, how do you break through? You know, how do you have a, a campaign that stands out um, above and beyond other, you know, direct to home content? Um, and so that's certainly an, an area that, that we're grappling with. And on top of that, and, and secondarily to that, how do you message, you know, clearly this is a movie that is, you know, is in theaters and not at home um, and differentiate that clearly. And what to what amount do you devote you know, that kind of messaging in your campaign versus more storytelling messaging. Um, mm-hmm. So that is certainly an area that that uh, is being grappled with because it is harder than ever to to reach moviegoers, um, you know, both from a actually marketing to them with, frankly, not a lot of in-theater foot traffic, relatively speaking, uh, mm-hmm. less linear TV viewership, um, and a lot of competitive, you know, content that is 
if even if people aren't really making the decision, do I stay at home and watch something versus do I go to a theater? Because I, I do think that's probably overblown a little bit. Um, going to the theater is a unique experience um, mm-hmm. that is out of the home and and special, and you know it isn't necessarily competing with it's competing potentially more with bars and restaurants and going to the park or wh- you know whatever it might be than watching something at home. The idea of the marketing actually connecting with people when you have all this other noise. Uh, is a key issue that that certainly grappling with. Yeah, I mean, I, for, I, I don't know if you guys have a good sense of this, uh, and if you don't, feel free to feel free to pass. But you know, we we it is a situation. It's a weird situation where people aren't going to the theaters as much, so they're not seeing those trailers. You know, they're not they're not seeing the twenty five minutes of trailers before whatever they're watching. You know, they're not linear linear TV, as you say, TV with ads more or less is is decreasing. People aren't getting that as much. I mean, is is it is it online marketing that is effective now? Is it like the viral clip on Twitter? Uh, like how how do studios actually get their uh, message out there for movies like this, or for for movies? Period. I mean, for just just for movies, it's it's certainly <laughs> certainly a challenge. <laughs> the 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 piece of movie marketing that is most um, convincing to moviegoers and resonates most with them, and they consider most trustworthy, is the movie trailer. Um, okay. that is without a doubt the thing they, they, you know, moviegoers really do feel that when they see a trailer, they understand what the movie is that they're going, that they're, that's being sold to them. They, they don't feel that you can really cheat a movie trailer while you can cheat a movie trailer. There's just, it's, it's harder to cheat two and a half minutes than is cheat 10, 15 seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. so certainly that is the, that is the most impactful and, and the way that it's most impactful is seeing it on, on a big screen. And so we've certainly lost uh, lost that to a large degree. Um, how are they reaching? How are they reaching moviegoers now? Certainly, digital is a key is a key component um, to marketing to moviegoers now, more so than ever. Um, given what we just talked about within theaters and and linear ad supported uh, television, um, so that is that has been the that has been the method. How effective is it um, relative to those other ones? Certainly is effective. Um, I won't get into the I won't get into the specifics, I guess. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think we've certainly, when we don't have the full suite of tools at disposal, it makes the it makes the entire thing a little bit more challenging. Yeah, uh, I have to ask one one box office mojo question sure. since since I've got you here. What what was the thing that people were most interested in on box office mojo? I mean, obviously, like the news, right? Uh, this is what the big opening weekend numbers are that that stuff. But if, if if you were to dive into the analytics, what is the thing that people were most frequently kind of looking at from, from past data or trends or that sort of thing? That's a good question. Um. I think that one of the one of the value adds of Box Office Mojo, and one of the things that I think made it made it really special, was the the curation around genre and around mm-hmm. talent, box office, and things like that. You know, it made it it was very easy to see what are the highest grossing. Um, uh, uh, movies about um, sea creatures or something like that, right? Like movies mm-hmm. about monsters, movies yeah. that are 3D, movies that, um, uh, uh, you know, d- different types of things like that, right? So that type of um, that type of data aggregation, really curate, curated um, metadata, I think was something people were really, really interested in. Um, I certainly think 
that looking at uh, at yearly box office, um, yearly, monthly, seasonal, that type of way of cutting it by by time period was something people were interested in. Um, you know, getting comp analysis. I think we we had a couple of good views there um, for looking yeah. at um, looking yeah. at box office versus comps. Um, so a couple of things like that. You know, back in the day, there were. Um, there were games on Box Office Mojo, and they were they were quite popular doing you know, box office forecasting, um, mm-hmm. and so that was that was fun. Uh, but I mean, it's just I think it was just a very usable site uh, for people who either wanted to get a top line view at the box office or really go deep. You could do it either way, um, and the site made it very intuitive to to execute on any of that in beginner to to expert yeah. level um, analysis. And yeah. that's certainly the site was one of the things that got me into into um, the business of movies. You know, I think I've I've been following it since I was a, a you know a teenager, um, and yeah. so I was fortunate to have had an opportunity to to contribute to it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for being on the show, Ray. I really appreciate it. I always like to end by uh, asking if there's anything I should have asked. If there's anything um, I, in my infinite ignorance, failed to ask, or if you, there's something you think people should know about the state of theaters and and the state of kind of audience, you know, thoughts about what is what's happening with with theaters and COVID and awareness and all that. I think there's one stat that I that I prepared ahead of time and didn't get to. And I, I want to share that because I think it's a, yeah. I think it's an interesting, an interesting stat to consider as we think about, you know, I think we we all thought or we hoped naively that you could just turn the faucet back on, and movie going will be back to normal levels, and that's certainly proving to not be completely the case, obviously, but we are moving in the right direction and we're moving steadily in the right direction. In Q4 last year, we look Q4 2020 versus Q4 2019, the box office was at 7% of the level that it was mm-hmm. at a year prior over the same time period, 7%. In April and May of this year, when we look at April and May this year versus 2019, 18, 19%. So only a little bit okay. better than that. June, 35%. It's a significant uptick from there. July, is already past the 35% mark. We have more days left in July. We will be anywhere from 41 to 44% of the level of July 2019, which was when we had Spider-Man, Far From Home, The Lion King, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a lot of holdovers from June, including Toy Story 4, which is still doing quite a bit of business. Mm-hmm. That is, when we think about that trajectory over the last six to 12 months relative to what we've faced, um, you know, within this, with this pandemic, that is, I, I think pretty encouraging. And we have, you know, a, an impressive slate in the second half of the year. And, you know, my hope and, and I think the data supports it. We can get back to uh, a semblance of normalcy. It just is going to take month after month of, of habituation of movie going, um, to the point where we'll get there. And I think, I think we'll break this curve on Delta and it, you know, we'll be, we'll be getting back to normal, you know, as we head through the year and into 2022, um, the pace will yeah. continue, I think. Uh, Ray, really, really thanks again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, and, uh, we will be back next week with another episode of the Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. See you guys then. 